welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this morning or this afternoon or this this evening um, or any time you're listening because after all it is your podcast. Now joining me today, we could set the you could set the way back clock for like say three hundred million years, and what happened was a mosquito that had bitten and bitten. A Jurassic Games designer was caught in some amber. Millions of years later with technology, that amber was harvested and the blood that was found in that mosquito was then used to clone a gentleman by the name of Brian Lewis, a games designer who went on to to co-create the marvel that was Dinosaur Island. So good evening, Brian. Hello, how's it going? <laughs> very, very good. Um, that I don't know where I was going with that introduction. Well, it was very was, dramatic, uh, and I appreciate that. That's okay. Well, it's been it's been um, it's been a very dramatic kind of um, couple of years for you with regards to kind of like your um, your kind of your game design career. It basically. definitely has been. It's it's been um, a uh, roller coaster ride uh, oh. in, a, in a dinosaur theme park. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's been. It's, I I will say it's been crazy. Um, I didn't think it would take off like this, but I'm very glad that it has. Well, there you go. I mean, what we're interested, obviously, there's a couple of reasons that you're here, and um, we're obviously going to talk about the um, the Tyrannosaurus Rex in the room, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and there's also been, you mean, we're talking about Dinosaur Island. We're obviously going to talk a little bit about the Dinosaur Island Back from Extinction kind of Kickstarter campaign that's going on as well. But first of all, I guess we should say hello to everybody that's out there that's listening to us for the first time. The reason that we're doing this is because, I'll be quite honest with you, we've had Jonathan Gilmore on a couple of times already. And I keep looking at my Dinosaur Island box and saying, well, Jonathan's been on a couple of times and Brian hasn't. So it kind of, it just simply wouldn't have been fair if we hadn't asked Brian on at some point. So that's what happened. I think we fired up the, we uh, we fired up the Twitterverse and we kind of, I guess, reached out that way. So I'm really glad that you've you're coming along tonight to have a chat with us. Well, um, thanks for having me. You know, as I say, before we dive, um, we dive into the Dago world of um, game design and what you're doing just now. We always like to have a little bit. Kind of, a, I guess, a kind of a, a little step back into the past, just to find a little bit more, kind of about your kind of your history with the hobby. So we'll have mm-hmm. a, as I say, we'll have a, we'll have a peek back at the time of the dinosaurs. We'll have a kind of a focus on the present, that is Cro-Magnon Man, and then we'll jet <laughs> off into the future, sure. of Homo Homo sapiens, and building parks, and really wondering not if the if they could have done something, but whether or not if they should. So, do you want to give us a little bit? I was going to try to do a Jeff Goldblum voice, but I don't know if you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your history with the hobby to kind of start off with, Brian? Sure. Um, I started probably back in about, my guess is going to be about uh, 2000. Um, mm-hmm. I was living in Los Angeles. I had just finished grad school. Um, I was getting a degree in music. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And um, I were started... Were you a singer or were you a singer or a player I, or... A uh, composer. 
Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, which I still do on the side. I, I write music for choirs, uh, mostly educational. Um, there's an educational publisher here in the U.S. that, uh, that uh, handles my stuff. And so mm-hmm. I still do that. Not as much as I used to. Um, yeah. It's pretty hard to focus on doing both things because they're both time-consuming. Yeah. But um, I was living there, and, and uh, I needed a job after school. So I started working for a small chain of uh, game stores called Gamekeeper. And there were about 80 of them in the U.S., but they focused on all different kinds of games, and they had a strategy game section. And in the strategy game section, uh, we sold uh, Settlers of Catan Mm -hmm. and Carcassonne, um, Mm -hmm. those games, and I had never heard of them before. And part of working there was they had these demos we could take home and play, so I would uh, borrow the... uh, I remember taking home... Uh, Settlers of Catan and reading the directions and going, this is really complicated. You know, one of those <laughs> things that's like, you know, nowadays it's, you just think, oh, that's so easy. You know, you just say, uh, gosh, this is an easy game. But for a person just getting into the hobby, it was uh, it was just really kind of overwhelming at the at, at And I was like, well, I don't know. Um, so I played that and then I played Carcassonne. And I remember having trouble with the scoring of Carcassonne. Uh, what do you mean oh, well. that these, these fields are these touching these cities and, you know, weird things like that. And, um, how can, how can he claim this if he's lying down? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what does it matter if all the land surrounding the church is filled in? Right. <laughs> what so that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I remember, uh, some, the first, I, I don't know if it was, it was either the first or second game I bought, like actually bought that was strategy game was Tikal. Okay, um, and uh, just love that game. Uh, that was published by Rio Grande. Um, and then the second one I bought was Acquire. Um, and I regret to this day it was the really sought-after version of Acquire with like the 3D buildings yeah. um, that sells for like hundreds of dollars on eBay now. I gave that yeah. away when I moved back to uh, Michigan. I had these games. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll ever play these again. I didn't know any. <laughs> I didn't know anything about like game groups like you know meetup didn't exist i didn't know anything about board game geek you know it was all, i just thought well i'll never play these again i'll give them to someone i think can use them so i handed away my collection uh before did I you moved. um did you contact that person and ask them if they still had a choir at the time <laughs> I, I i didn't i figured did you not make I, tentative I, inquiries yeah, yeah i i figured well you know i can always buy another copy somehow if i need it right I might pay a lot for it, but I can always get it if I need it. <laughs> Do you still check eBay on occasion just to see how ridiculous the price is for acquiring it? Um, I haven't in a while, but the last time I did check, it was in the hundreds. So I thought, nope, not gonna, not gonna add this to my collection yet. Yeah, but maybe it's time you can you owe yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think Mastercard would disagree. <laughs> Exactly. Computer says no. I'm right. afraid. Right. Right. <laughs> so did that um, did that set you off on the line when you brought in obviously? Yeah, it was. It was. was uh, well, you know, I moved here and uh, moved to Michigan, mm-hmm. and just I really, really wasn't doing much gaming. And then I met some friends here, and and um, it was my birthday, and and they knew I liked games, but really didn't play that much. And they ended up buying me a copy of, 
uh, Pandemic. And uh, we played that, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. You know, that was like, (laughs) that got me back into it. And then after that, I bought Agricola. Um, Mm. You know, and then just from there, it was was a, some would say, downward spiral. (laughs) Um, It just, like, my collection just grew and grew and grew. Um, And I remember going to Origins Game Fair in Columbus. Um, Gosh, I'm going to guess it was around 2007, 2008. Yeah. Um, and playing uh, Race for the Galaxy. And oh, just, yeah, okay, yeah, and, yeah. And, and just, I mean, just being blown away by that game. And I wanted it. And I so I bought it, and I mm-hmm. played it, and, and that's what kind of got me interested in the game design, was looking at these games, and, and to me they were like, like big puzzles. And I've always liked like logic puzzles. I've always had an interest in, you know, word games and puzzles and all those kinds of things. So I was like, well, you know, I'm going to try and do this myself. I'm I'm creative type because I'd been writing music for like seven (laughs) or eight years. And that's... I'm I'm writing six part choir parts, you know. (laughs) I've got my my altos, I've got my sopranos, I've got my basses, you know, I've got my baritones and everything like that. Right. How difficult can it be to put together a six deck card game? This is going to be laughing. (laughs) Right. So I remember, yeah, I I put together something and I don't even remember what the theme was or if there really was a theme. I don't remember. I remember playtesting it and being like, oh, this really isn't very fun. You know, it was one of those, it was a very disheartening moment. Um, so I kind of set it aside. Yeah. Uh, and then, I don't know, like a year later, I was like, I'm going to give it a try. I, I, I'm going to create my own game. And um, it was a game called Titans of Industry, which was kickstarted and it, and it did fund and it didn't, you know, didn't sell thousands yeah. of copies, but it was my first published game and it was it was fun, you know, and I was like, I could see myself really enjoying this. I don't necessarily do it to make money. Uh, if money is made, that's great. Um, it's definitely a nice benefit, but it is very cool to, to have your stuff out there and have people looking at it and playing it and commenting mm-hmm. on it, good and bad. Um, and that's kind of what happened with Dinosaur Island. It was, you know, the Kickstarter last year just blew up beyond anyone's expectations and um it's just the response has been phenomenal and like i love interacting with the the players you know uh consumers on uh, facebook and twitter and instagram but how'd you get to dinosaur island because it was i mean yeah well that's a good i had been working on a few other things uh, after mm. Titans of Industry, and I went to a, um, it was called Protospiel, and it's a, it's a series of events here in the U.S. that different mm. cities host them, and it's just designers and playtesters get together, and, and yeah. you bring games or you play playtest games, and I was there, and I was uh, playtesting a, a couple short, like small um, smallish fun games, if you will. Uh, not that any game shouldn't be fun, but I mean like light, light games. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I met John at this uh, protospiel in Ann Arbor, and he was working on a game at that time, I think it was called uh, 
salvage wars or storage wars or something like that, but which ended up being vault wars for him. Oh, right, yeah. Right. It's such a good fun game. Yeah, it is a really fun game. So <laughs> I remember uh, talking with him, and, and I just said, you know, hey, you know, we should work together sometime, and He's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Let's, you know, let's do that. This one of those, yeah, sure. This will never happen, right? <laughs> um, well, that's the thing, but that's what John's like. I mean, it's like you say to John, John, shall we? You know, if I send you over this, um, could you take a look at it for me? And John will do it. He is one of these guys. I don't yeah. know how he finds the number of hours in the day that he has. Mm-hmm. But everybody that says, well, you know, I've tried to, you know, I've worked with John and I've passed a comment the next thing i know he's like I've, I've he sent me a message or i've sent him an email and he's always made time regardless of what you're doing if i'm saying oh do you fancy coming on the show he's always said yeah yeah let's get something in the diary let's get it sorted out kind of kind of mm-hmm. now so he genuinely people i think he's looked on with a lot of affection for what he's done for the industry and the mm-hmm. kind of the i guess what he tries to continue to do in the industry as well so yeah right. but you're sitting there and thinking well i'll ask this person and if they you know <laughs> he says okay yeah and then and then so did i mean did you then did you follow that up or did he follow up with you or or how did it well, go from there then what happened was we were both going to origins mm-hmm. and in that was in june i don't know if that was the same year or not or if it was the following year i can't remember exactly but um I remember talking to him, and, and I think this was at the time when um, Dead of Winter was either just released or going to about to be released. Yeah. Um, and we were walking and talking, and uh, you know, I said, you know, I'd still love to work on a game with you. And he's like, yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm walking down the streets, and we walk by this pizza place, mm. um, and in the window, it's this giant like poster for uh dinosaur island at the columbus zoo oh okay right and i look at him and i just said this needs to be a game and he goes yeah let's work on it so you know after the convention was over we started uh skyping and sharing ideas and that was the the genesis of dinosaur island um we you know started pitching ideas and doing that and um, really didn't go. I'm trying to remember when we started going full force in that, but it was pretty 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 quick into that. Um, John lives about about an hour and forty five minutes from me. Yeah. Uh, so what I did was when we were designing Dinosaur Island, I was going down once or twice a week to his place because he um, you know he's married and has kids. I'm single, um, no kids. So it was more, it was easier for me to just drive down there. <laughs> just walk up and say, I need yeah. somebody to babysit the cardboard. Right, exactly. <laughs> They'll be fine. They'll right. be fine. So, um, but he's also, he's got an open house as well. He regularly has people around. So, oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, uh, is, is it Jamie? Is Jamie's his wife? wife. Yeah. 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 And they always seem to be kind of like very... Mm-hmm. I'm tempted to actually take a trip myself. <laughs> just rock up. He's great, say, you know. Hello. Well, now he has a, you know, he has an office space where he lives. Um, not in his house, I mean, but yeah, in, in the town he lives in, it's super, you know, economical to rent office space. So he has a couple rooms that he um, rents, and so I'll go down there now and we design. I don't see him as much as I used to, just because we're both so busy. But when I was yeah. in Dinosaur Island, I made more time because I was like, I really want this to happen. So yeah. we just worked on it and 
the rest is history, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but how how do you work on it? Because um, myself and Colin, we spoke about Dinosaur Island, mm-hmm. and we played it. <clears throat> I, me and Colin, we played it, and then me and the kids, uh, we've played it a couple of times, uh-huh. and it seemed to be. It was very one of the games that reminded me of was Forge War. Okay. By Isaac Childress, his mm-hmm. kind of first game before he did that. Um, what's that game called? The one that starts with a G. I can oh, never. I can't. Yeah. You know the one that. I yeah, think I know. What you, and, I know what you're talking about. You know, but it's you, that. I can't just never. You can never ever. I can never remember it because you never see that game ever mentioned anywhere it just, at all. It, it just didn't really do that well. <laughs> no, it's not like the. It's not like it was the the, the BG Gloomhaven Awards. Right. I know. <laughs> yeah. Don't even start um, on that. No. <laughs> Oh, okay, sorry. Um, but it was the point was um, Forge War for people that haven't looked mm-hmm. at it was basically like a modular game of mm-hmm. miniature games that you played, and that decided it was almost like you were building an engine that allowed you to then mm-hmm. complete quests at the end of it. And so that side with Dinosaur Island, that's you know, for I mean, for people who haven't played Dinosaur Island, um play it first of all but secondly right for people who haven't played it it is essentially you're, you're kind of using four distinct phases in the mm-hmm. game that almost act as miniature games that then come together to gain a common goal which is to essentially create wonderful attractions for your visitors to come along so you can kind of win kind of victory points right if i'm wrong correct me no no <laughs> but, you're right it, yeah it, you know when we started working on that, it, it's a, it's a very organic process with us. Um, we sit there and we say, okay, you know, what do we want this game to be? Yeah. Um, and how do we want it to happen, right? So what kind of experience do we want the players to have? So, you know, we talked about the DNA and, you know, how do you get DNA? What's the, yeah. you know, and we tried a couple different ways and, you know, as you're playing it, just playtesting, you know, the feedback loop is always, is it fun? If not, go back, you know, what makes it fun? Now, of course, fun means different things to different people. So my idea of fun might not be your idea of fun, but the whole process, you know, we worked on that DNA. We're like, okay, so, you know, we wanted worker placement. We thought, how come? Because we, you know, we're thinking the scientists and stuff like that. So that would be yeah. our workers, and and it just kind of organically grew into these four phases. It we didn't set out to say, okay, let's have four separate phases where people will they'll do this in one phase and they'll do this in another phase. You know, it was just again, just playing and testing and saying, okay, this feels right, and I and I. I know that's not always the answer people want to hear, but a lot of designing and, and play play testing is, does this feel right? Does this feel good? Um, because yeah, no, no, what it's kind of click. Yeah, what kind of experience do you want the player to have? So we, yeah. you know, and that's what happened. You know, we we it just grew out of that and worked for what we wanted it to be. See, I imagine that in John's office. Or in his workspace, he has a huge table. Mm-hmm. He has on a shelf. He has like a shelving unit that's full of drawers, 
And in these little drawers, there's like dice, there's meeples, mm-hmm. there's counters and stuff like that. And you know, you'll say, "Oh, we could do the, we could do the DNA, we could do mm-hmm. it dice." And he mm-hmm. reaches up and goes into the drawer and pulls out some dice, and you write stuff on the dice, and that's how you yep. kind of got the DNA. And that's Is it- that's pretty much what it's like. I mean, at the time when we were working, we were designing in his home because he didn't have the office space yet. But in his office yeah. now, he does have a big table. He has a couple bookshelves behind him, and you know, um, we both have these um, uh, uh, plastic um, bins, if you will, like uh, almost oh, yeah. like parts for like um, for like nuts and bolts and stuff. You'd find it like uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. and you like just totally open it up, it. and you've got like all these dice here. You've got all these meeples here. You know, meeples are so separated by color, and oh, wow. and that's exactly it. And you know, creating the prototype for this game was. I think took more time than the actual design because we were cutting <laughs> and pasting and uh, you know using foam board and creating the tiles for the dinosaurs and you know mm-hmm. cutting out the cards and making making the dice. Oh my gosh, we went through so many iterations of those dice. If I never have to cut a sticker and paste one on a die again, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> it it's it was oh just horrible, but you know. <laughs> It's what Did it you is. end up like sticking your fingers together? Or you were still. Oh, well, it was <laughs> just you know. Well, the sticker paper that we use, you know, it's so hard to peel it away from the thing, and and you and you're trying not to smear the ink. Yeah. On the on the other side, um, yeah. So I remember, gosh, we ordered so many dice, just you know. And I could just remember the number of times you probably went home, mm-hmm. went to the went to the bathroom just to like wash your face because <laughs> you had a long day, and you realise you've got like a sticker absent-mindedly on mm-hmm. the side of your head <laughs> you didn't notice. You went, yeah. "Damn, I got drive-through for dinner." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they would have wondered why that. Right. Why has that guy got some kind of DNA tattoo on the side of his head? Is he like, it's like a, a gang sign? Or right, something? right. <laughs> Yeah, so it was uh, it was it was it was very fun to create and test, um, mm. but very time consuming. I mean, you said it grown organic organically. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it kind of like? Did you end up with like five phases, six phases? I mean, one of the things I, I always I'm really interested to hear mm-hmm. when people are talking about designing games. It's not what they built into it; it's what they ended up excluding from the mm-hmm. game in order to. Mm-hmm make it play more streamlined or, um, you know, make the rounds quicker or make it just yeah. easier and more balanced. I mean, did you did you end up getting, did you get to a point where you were actually stripping stuff out in order to make it kind of play kind of quicker and things like yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there was a tweet at one time where John and I tweeted a picture of a box of components we cut out from the game. <laughs> and mm. it was like over 100 components. Um, but part of that was at one time, um, when you got the DNA, you actually took a chit, like almost like in, um, Lahav, uh, where you take the goods, you know, every time you took a specific DNA, you took the, you took a chit of that color. So you would have all these DNA in front of you. And I don't, I remember we were just sitting there and I was like, well, what if we just had beakers? And we just tracked them. And it was just such a simple thing. <laughs> but it's something we didn't think about. It was just so... You look back and you go, well, duh, why wouldn't you do that? Right? And I remember John creating the beakers on Google Draw or whatever and printing them out. And us playing, I'm like, 
this is fun. You know, it's it's silly that moving <laughs> a cube up and down on different ones, but it yeah. felt like I was getting the DNA and spending it and using it to create things. It and so we got rid of a ton of you know DNA chits, and then um, at one time in the game we had fences for the dinosaurs. Um, right. Okay. And it just added a lot to the game without doing much, in our opinion, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to look at that and say, is this is this is this compelling enough to keep in the game? And the answer for us was no, it it just wasn't, um, because we also looked at you know what is the market that we want for this game? We yeah. you know because that's something a designer has to be aware of, I think. You know, I could create the best game in the world, but if it takes seven hours to play and the rule book is 64 pages, in reality, who's going to play that? You know, there okay. might there might be a core group that'll do that, but that wasn't what we were aiming for. Here's a here's a question for you, Brian. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, as a designer, with people generally having... Um, and 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 the cult the culture of the new and mm-hmm. the culture of the shiny. Mm-hmm. Is it important to have games which are really really easy to get into and start playing, as opposed to games that offer multiple amounts of replayability? And my reasoning behind that is I will probably see, <clears throat> within any given week, through various social media people talking about the so-called shelves of shame that they have with games that they haven't played. Mm-hmm. I also hear about people talking about, well, I, they've, they're kind of striking off a list of games that they've managed to kind of get through and play. So with there being new Kickstarter camp games coming out every week, people actually receiving new games and, mm-hmm. and getting their Kickstarter rewards. Um, are you thinking about are you thinking on the long-term replayability, which is, I guess is one of one of the other things, do you also need to think about the accessibility? How easy is it going to be somebody to actually dive into this? Because there's a lot of stuff in Dinosaur Island when you mm-hmm. set it up. It, it is. Can be quite daunt- it can be quite kind of daunting. Mm-hmm. But once you play through it, it's it's like this. I right. mean, it just rips through all the way through. Was and that like a consideration? It is. Um, definitely when we're looking, uh, at least for me... Um, because I want I want people to enjoy the game and I want a lot of people to play it. And the more difficult it gets, the less your game could get played. Um, not yeah. saying there aren't difficult games out there that get played a ton because there are, but they're few and far between. Um, when we designed Dinosaur Island, we wanted a mid light to midweight euro euro style game. Yeah. And um, I think we achieved that. The the phases, you know, I, I would say the majority of people like the phases. Yes, we've had some backlash, I think, from people that don't like that it's all split up like that. But maybe this game isn't for them. Um, with ours, I've, I've, I've read a lot of people on Twitter, Instagram, you know, Facebook saying, oh, I was so overwhelmed by this game. But I played phase one, I understood it, I moved on to phase two, I understood that. And after they played through the four phases, all of a sudden it was, I totally get this, Let's and they just keep going. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, part of that design 
where we break it up into sections, it's not as overwhelming. Because if you, if I've had people say they look at the table set up and they're, they're just intimidated, right? Um, it's kind of yeah. like that old saying, how do you eat it? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? <laughs> That's the same thing with this game. How do you play this game? One phase at a time. Yeah. I think, um, my personal experience, I think when we first played it, um, the first time, we had somebody that got kind of 10 minutes in and you could tell him he was kind of bouncing off it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only, <clears throat> I think my only, and I raised this when, when we spoke about it on the podcast, the only issue that I had wasn't the game, um, was that um, <clears throat> I, 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 was, I was wanting to have an anatomy of a card. That was mm. the only thing. Yeah. Because there was the victory point things on there. I didn't know if it cost a victory point in order to buy right. certain attractions. And that was the only thing. And I thought, an anatomy of a card. And that's what I said in the podcast. And I thought, well, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a, it's a really, really good fun game. And then say, but you said on the podcast that you had. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, know right. you said the first time you weren't sure. It's like, well, yeah. But the second time I played it with the kids, it was like it was quick, quick, quick. Right. Is it going to go back to the table again? Yes. Now I know how to play it. Right. Is it intimidating? Um, could be. Mm-hmm. But then I think I think it's one of these games that um, I watched the Rodney Smith video the first couple of times mm-hmm. I played through just to familiarise myself with it. But very quickly, it's quite easy to to teach other people. Once you're very familiar with it yourself, and it makes, and it get to a point where it kind of clicks, and that's right. it. You're just kind of off, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of off and away. So, that was kind of, kind of cool. But I think the intimidation could be just the number of boards, because people aren't used to dealing with that many, maybe that many tableau. Right. But on the other side of it, are they not used to having a big, huge game board in front of them with their own tableau? So, right. You know, that's maybe the, maybe the kind of the kind of the difference mm-hmm. um how how long did it take you and john before you said right okay tools down hands off this is it this is where we are or did you were you still continuing to develop it through the actual kickstarter campaign uh we continued it through the kickstarter i would say it was basically done after we 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 did we had it about a year um, mm. It took about a year for us to get to the point where we felt comfortable showing it to yeah. people, um, and I sh- we I remember we showed it to a publisher who didn't take it. I'm not going to name who that publisher was, but I kind of hope just, I kind of I kind of hope they're taking it. themselves. No, I can't, I can't just do that. Whis- if you just whisper <laughs> it, it's all right. Nobody listens. I, I will. I'll sign it for you. How's that? <laughs> Right. Okay. Right. Oh, them. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Can you believe really? it? I bet you they're kicking themselves now. That's um, just ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but you know they that publisher actually gave some really good feedback on that initial yeah. uh, play, and we did um, trim a, a thing or two um, based on that publisher's uh, feedback, and then later on we showed it to Pandasaurus, and they just loved it and signed it on the spot and that was you know after the revision so after we signed it with them you know we went into we didn't went into play testing and and mm-hmm. um and not a lot changed you know a few things here and there um so did you play test it when it was in its raw form did you yes. do a lot of 
playtesting between you and John, so you were confident in the product before you were kind of going out and pitching it to people. Uh, definitely. Um, that, yeah. It's just, it's so important. And we tried to get uh, playtesting with our friends. Um, yeah. And I say this, that, you know, playtesting with family is not always the best because <laughs> everything is always good with the family, right? Um, we, we are lucky yeah. enough to have a group of friends that they are very... Uh, I don't want to say brutal. Maybe that maybe that is the right word. Brutal in their um, in their feedback. They don't hold back just because they know us. So yeah. they have no problem saying, "Well, that was awful. That felt awful, or that that was <laughs> stupid." You know, why did you do that? That was a stupid decision. You know. Um, so looking at that, um, it's important to definitely have the feedback testing for sure. Who? Um... Which one of you crazy fools decided to go for the Dayglow design? That would be because Pan- that that would be Pandasaurus. <laughs> they uh, they signed the game, and uh, I remember they sent us an email. Yeah, and they said this is the direction we want to go. And I said, okay, I trust you, you know. Um, and then they they you know hired Quan Chai, um, and. And, and Peter Wilkin uh, did the graphic design, and I remember seeing yeah. the the logo. <laughs> and they tried it in several different color schemes and stuff like that. Um, and I was like, "This is cool." I said, and and I and I said to myself, "This is going to be divisive." You know, people are either going to love it or hate it, and that's exactly what happened when it launched. There were so many people that said, "Ugh, this color scheme just is." disgusting you know and and then other people (laughs) just saying i absolutely love this color scheme so it's really polarizing and it always amazed me you know because i personally have never looked at a game and said i'm not going to play that because of the because of the colors but i've had people say that online and i just think well that's to me really kind of silly um if a game is good which we think it is right yeah give it a play if you don't like the colors so uh, why is that keeping you from playing a game i don't get it but but if that's you know and and again with the newest kickstarter some people saying well i'm not going to back it just because i don't like the colors okay that's fine you don't have to it kind of reminds me of um there was just trying to think was it far i don't know if it was a far cry three maybe there was that and they did a they did a kind of like a 1980s kind of level i think it was i don't know if it was called blood dragon or something like that but that was completely 1980s day glow kind of colors was that and um, it remind saints row is that what you're thinking of? no no there was a it was the guys that did i think far cry 3 okay. they did their own kind of 1980s kind ah. of shoot, but it was it reminded me of this color scheme it was totally like right. day glow mm-hmm. and it stuck out <laughs> okay <clears throat> when you were doing the dinosaurs brian when you were designing it, mm-hmm. what what color were the dinosaurs? <laughs> um, Did you go to we didn't dinosaurs? we didn't we didn't have actual dinosaurs. We just had cubes, so the cubes were oh. red. I think. <laughs> oh, that's such a you just cop it out. <laughs> maybe the maybe the cubes were black or red. I don't remember, but we didn't have. We thought about <laughs> no. we thought about covering the um the the cubes in feathers, um you know really, but uh, we didn't do that. Controversial, right? Definitely not green. There was not a hint of green in any of those cubes whatsoever. There. No, not so. No, 
Is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Um, that's sorry, it's close, but it's not what I've got on the card. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! But then, I mean, what did you did you like? We see, oh, it's pink dinosaur meeples. Was there any point? Did you kind of walk away and go, "What are they doing to my game?" No, you know, I just, I really just trusted them, and part of it was, yeah. you know, I was excited that the game was getting produced. You know, there's yeah, always a feeling of, you know, how is this, you know, what's this going to look like in its final form? And I just remember looking at it and thinking, I, I, I'm, I'm trusting that this is going to work. And it did. Yeah. Like for me, like I have absolutely no problem with the look of it. I think it looks awesome. I love Quanchai's yeah. art. I love the, you know, yeah. the, the 3D rendering kind of graphics in the in the park um you know to me it just works well i'm a big fan of uh quan chai because of the stuff he did with elja games the mm-hmm. catacombs and castle game and everything like that so sure. he can't you know as far as i'm concerned his stuff is absolutely fantastic um it was was it a two-stage kind of process intentionally obviously john john had already done work now i don't know in the timeline has john already done work in terms of Wasteland Express delivery service with Pandasaurus, mm-hmm. that uh, that had already kind of uh, kind of already existed, but this was this kind of like a two tone because it was like a publisher saying, right, we're going to develop your game for you, but we're going to Kickstarter. So is that a case of well, that's brilliant, they're going to do something with this, but then we have to still wait and see if the game is actually going to get made? Is that kind of a strange kind of situation to be in? For me, initially, no, just because my first game was kickstarted. So I just said, well, you know, it's Kickstarter. And if, mm. it, if it succeeds, that's great. If not, then back to the drawing board. Um, yeah. Now, Pandasaurus had had, what, four or five previous Kickstarters that had all funded. So I definitely had um, faith that it would. We just didn't know to what extent. Um, and when we launched on that first day and did, you know, I think 80 something thousand in the first 24 hours we were just blown away because there was really no marketing up to that there was none of this hey we're going to be launching on kickstarter on this day the kickstarter just dropped there was an announcement on reddit and i remember going to bed and um i think the kickstarter started at like nine in the morning here in the u.s nine eastern and uh i'm typically a night owl i typically stay up really late and so I usually get up around 10 a.m., 11 a.m., depending uh, on when I uh. go to bed. And I remember saying to myself, I am not going to wake up because I don't want to see how this Kickstarter is doing because I don't want to know. If it flops, I don't want to know initially, right? <laughs> I, I would just rather live in my own little bubble and not and not know what's going on. So I remember waking up. At, just imagine you being under the duvet yeah. and kind of lifting up slowly and reaching your arm out towards your laptop. Right. And just well, switching it was it my cell. It was my cell phone, and <laughs> I remember, I remember waking up. It was like ten thirty in the morning, and I just looked at my oh, phone, my and there were like yeah. multiple text messages from different people. I'm like, what is yeah. going on? And you know hey can you believe it you know congratulations awesome job and i'm like what is going on right i'm just like i've just if i did i wake up really right i must admit i I kind of felt a bit springy when i opened my eyes but i didn't realize it it deserved like 50 text messages but thank you so i went to kickstarter and i think i think the initial funding goal on that was 
uh, 15,000. And we yeah. had 25,000 within the first half hour or something like that. It was crazy for us. Um, and I just remember they blew through so many stretch goals on that first day because they didn't expect it to, they expected those stretch goals to last a week or longer. And they lasted um, not even a full day. I think it was six hours. Because it went on out of, um, I mean, it was almost a year ago now. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was the 25th of March, right. 2017, that it was funded. Mm -hmm. But it went on with a target of $15,000. Mm -hmm. It went on to do basically um, a grand over half a million. Mm -hmm. I mean, were you just... I mean, was every day kind of like woke up this morning feeling yeah. fat? Was it nothing? That... <laughs> I didn't sing that song, but um, I, I I was in a good mood for the majority of that uh, Kickstarter. I remember the first day, and luckily I was off that day um, because I I was at the computer the whole day, you know, clicking on the refresh um, in the forums, you know talking to the comments, talking to people. Um, we had launched on Tabletopia. So I was scheduling yeah. times to people come play the game with me um, to, you know, keep the momentum going. And as we kept, you know, with these stretch goals and unlocking new things, people were just like, they were just like going crazy over this. And it was, it really was an amazing um, ride. And that last day, because I think going into the last two days, we were at about, I don't want to say around 340, 360 in yeah. the last two days. And then just to see the huge spike in pledges the last day was incredible. I remember being up to that. I was clicking that refresh button every second, <laughs> like the last couple minutes of, of, the, um, of the campaign and just seeing those you know, cha-ching, 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 those dollar signs just going up, and it was just <laughs> incredible. Like putting gas in the tank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like just watching it going... Yep. I mean, did you did you then, like, have to have the conversation with John and say, we're going to need some more stretch goals? I mean, was that the next conversation? Or had you already planned that out? Because it's the stretch goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is what we see. I mean, people say, well, I'm going to... Where's my stretch goals? Do I put in ten stretch mm -hmm. goals? Is that over ambitious? But then you get mm -hmm. guys like say Steamforge, mm -hmm. or um, you know Steamforge, any of these guys that do really really well on Kickstarter, and they end up doing you know just stretch goal after stretch goal after stretch goal. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have a plan for stretch goals? Did you have like a limited amount, or I mean, did you have to have emergency meetings with post-it notes and? There was know? there was a little bit of emergency towards the end, um, because like. Like I, like we said that you know it was it the campaign did so well that we didn't expect to hit all the stretch goals. So we had goals out there definitely that we didn't think we'd hit, but we did. So what happens when that you know um, when when we do hit it? So people towards the end were like, well, do we get another stretch goal? Do we know? And we're like, no, we're out. Um, and we had one last one that we didn't think, mm. you know, we'd hit um, that we that we added in. It wasn't a last minute thing to add, but you know, it was adding like 
I think it was like 39 cards to the to the end game kind of thing. Um, yeah. And we saved that for the very last because we're like, well, we got to have something for the very end, right? So there were other things we were adding in between that were like the emergency meeting things like, well, you know, what if we, can we add another Dino Meeple? You know, you know, yeah. and, and, and they're sitting there crunching the numbers saying, well, we have to hit this amount of money before we can add another Dino Meeple, you know, kind of thing. And so we wanted to leave something for the very end. Yeah, which was because you could have production. Is it production meetings, and you've got to have cost meetings? Because I think mm-hmm. um, when I spoke to Jamie Stegmeier, he said there is a point in the production run mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter how many more copies that you make. Exactly, you're not going to get a financial payback. You know, if mm-hmm. something costs, you know, if this is costing twenty five dollars to make, right, the manufacturer can't drop it anymore, right, without kind of you know without it just it not working for them financially. Right, right. So you get to the kind of that's that point. So was there some real kind of realistic did it have to be kind of realistic stretch goals that you guys had to actually plan out and say, like financially, if this is going to X number of backers, mm-hmm. then we need to make sure we're kind of costing this out. So right. we have to have a real think about what we're doing. Is that why it's easier to maybe put cards in yeah. As opposed to obviously tooling up a different meeple. That's altogether. exactly it. Because cards are like <clears throat> cards are you know typically one of the cheapest things to add, yeah. just because you're going to get a certain number of cards on a sheet anyway. Typically, eighteen cards on a sheet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we have if we've used sixteen on the sheet, we can definitely fit in two more. So, you know, hey, let's let's add that on. Um, you know, so with the stretch goals exactly what you said you have to look at the cost and that and that's a something a lot of people don't understand they think well gosh you you made five hundred thousand dollars you should be able to add another dino meeple well but there's only so many that can fit in a mold right yeah if we add another one we have to create another mold another that'll yeah. hold and, and all of a sudden you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to create another mold yeah and then you yeah. have to pay for the injection molding, you know, the, the plastic, and there's a cost per meeple. Well, if each person's getting, at that time, I think it was seven meeples, and, you know, they're costing X pennies per, per one, that's eating at your profit. Yeah, because it's it becomes one of these things is you got to balance this out, and you can see why... There's certain people that are saying, well, this has to be a Kickstarter exclusive because if we take it to retail, it's going to cost us money. We've got to have a game going out and there's got to be some kind of money exchanging hands because right. otherwise it's just not cost effective for us right. to go ahead and print 25,000 copies of this game because mm-hmm. we're just going to end up broke if we don't then shift, you know, right. half of those and they go and they go ahead and sell, you know, sell kind of no matter what kind of what what's kind of going on. Um, how many of those snap bracelet things do you own, Brian? <laughs> I only own one. That's so not true. <laughs> <laughs> I well, what one from Dinosaur Island? Um, no, I I actually uh, it's funny. Look at my snap bracelet suit. Look at my snap bracelet right. suit. I I, I, I should have put in my new contract that I get multiple snap bracelets uh, from the expansion, just because you know having the one just isn't enough yeah i mean going back to the stretch goals quickly the mm-hmm. the pogs mm-hmm. was one of the things that you said well one of the things i think that 
did it have to get kind of pulled back? I think they were looking at the plastic pogs for Dinosaur Island and then they had to pull them back because the manufacturer was just like, I can't, we can't do these. Yeah, it's, um, the only thing that was possible was the cardboard. And um, the again, the amount of flack we got for the pogs was just blew my mind because it was something additional. It was something free that you're getting for for pudging the base game, right? Something and it was fun and it was it was kitschy 90s fun. Um and people just saying, "Well, this doesn't do anything for the gameplay and I hate it." Okay. We're sorry. Uh, okay. Well, what you can do is you can if you want, you can put them on your eyes. Right. And you can have different you can pretend right. they're like very they're very cheap contact lenses <laughs> for Halloween. Right, right dress up your mm. eyes to look like different things from Dinosaur Island. Or alternatively, go outside for a bit. Right, right. <laughs> stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop worrying about these things. Right. You know, you know if you don't like them, if you don't like them, then okay. You know, you can't please it's everyone with everything. It's actually, you know, it's okay. Um, it's okay to, to, to kind of... Uh, not like things. Right. It doesn't mean you have to go and rant about them. Correct. <laughs> it's fine. It's just bits of cardboard. Because mm-hmm. as far as I could say, the only thing about it was it's like, um, how do I fit this and the rest of the stuff in the box? Right. <laughs> the co- yeah, the fitting in the box thing. <laughs> you know, we we tell people throw away the insert. That's yeah, our that, solution. Yeah. Well, the thing, and again, the insert wasn't made designed to be functional it looks nice when you open it up but that's to hold everything in place so the cards stay in place the boards stay in place you know that's the function of that insert you know so my copy i took the insert out and threw it away i recycled mine responsibly brian well of course i did that as well i threw it away right into the recycle bin it's the the reward brian lewis right worldwide polluter (laughs) Oh, man, I've been called worse. <laughs> totally. I don't know. You know, that's the reason That's the reason the dinosaurs went extinct was because of some kind of climate event. Oh, I thought it was because of non-recycling. <laughs> Probably that yeah. as well. Yeah. They, that's what they did. They had their board games and they decided not to... Um, they decided to just chuck their inserts away right. when they got their um, original Kickstarters as well. But. <laughs> But I can't imagine a Tyrannosaurus Rex kind of being able to play any type of board games at all. No, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm not even gonna go there. But okay. Like... <laughs> um, but I mean, did you? I mean, did you? Okay, let's dispel the myth. You're not sitting around with fifty million copies of Dinosaur Island about your person. I mean, if the normal kind of thing mm-hmm. happens, is usually you get your production copy. Mm-hmm. Round about the same time that everybody else gets their copy. I got mine after. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. It's not like Brian. I mean, when, when we first came on and we started talking, Brian was on Skype and we could see each other and I turned my camera off because I don't want to frighten anyone <laughs> away. But it's not like Brian had like 52 copies of various no. of Dinosaur Island kind of sitting behind no. him and, and like, you know, with his big sign saying, here's my stash. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not floor to ceiling Dinosaur Island in my office. Um, but, no. but, you know, I did receive some copies. Sure. That's part of my contract. Um, yeah. But I donated a few copies to um, to a charity uh, or a um, a gathering of, of board gamers, um, 
I've split up one of my copies. Someone, not someone on Facebook, was like, "Hey, you know, my kid spilled. I'm so upset. My kid spilled water all over my Lewis Leviathan's board and some of the cards." Oh, and I sent him an email saying, "Hey, what's your what's your what's your address? I'll send you replacements." You know, because he was he was saying how much he loved the game and how much he loved playing it with his family. And like, to me, that was like, well, you know, I have this copy that I already know how the game plays. I, I have a couple copies. Mm. I just broke it open and sent him some, some replacement parts. Um, what was it like opening the copy for the first time? Because obviously you would have had your eyes on the various kind yeah, of production copies it, and stuff. It, like that. Uh, I, I admit it was really exciting. Um, now, that being said... The very first copy I opened was the standard edition, because that's what they sent from the um, printer. Yeah. And uh, I opened it on. I did. Fa- I did a Facebook Live feed, and um, it was really cool to open that up. Um, not as cool as opening the deluxe edition for sure, but because when I got that deluxe edition and I opened that up and I felt those coins, I was like, "Oh my god, oh my these goodness. coins are so heavy." Um, I'll t- I'll- I'll tell you what happened. When I was at the games club and I took along Dinosaur Island, mm-hmm. I was like, guys, feel the weight of this box. Mm-hmm. And they, everybody reached out with one hand and it's mm-hmm. like, no, you can't do, you can't do one hand. And they went, no, yeah. shut up. And they went to take it and you see their yeah. hands repeatedly. Yeah. And then they sent you the, then they sent you the medical shoulder. bills. They sent you the yeah. medical bills later. Yeah. A couple of broken fingers, mm-hmm. but that was a weighty. Yeah. Well, and that was, that's what surprised everyone, I think. Um, and, you know, there was there were there were some complainers earlier on about the cost of the game. You know, there's no way this is an eighty dollar game. Hmm. I, you know, personally, I think there is a ton of stuff in there for an eighty dollar game. I think it is worth it. There will still be people that argue with me, and that's fine. They can have their own wrong opinion. But, <laughs> but you know, as a as as a designer, I look at that saying, "There's no way this could have been done without <laughs> Kickstarter." You know, especially those coins, and there were even people complaining about the weight of the coins. These coins are too heavy. It's like, okay, well, you can't win. You can't win too heavy, too light, too shiny, not shiny enough. Who knows? Um, I've I've found that you can tell these people if they don't like the coins, they they can use them at the local um, petrol station, right. and they fit in, they fit in the vacuum bit so they can vacuum their car. It's good to know. Get your car so clean. You can, actually, and, you, you can yeah. actually clean you clean your car. There so you go. shut up, <laughs> shut up, go outside right. and sort out that car. Yeah, that everybody keeps telling you to get sorted out and stop <laughs> complaining about your coins. Yep. There's a lot of people. Do you know what? It's not people that complain about you know this fundamentally this game is broken. It's people that complain about that's not amber coloured. That amber <laughs> on that dice. This is what amber looks right. like, and that's a shade too orange. It's like, what are you, the Amber Appreciation Society? <laughs> President, running, <laughs> running, running for re-election. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he's going to get re-elected because there's only one member. And right. It's <laughs> Wouldn't it be bad? Wouldn't it be sad if he didn't win? <laughs> I'm sorry, I voted for someone else. <laughs> exactly. Well, oh, it's my self hatred kicking. Yeah, me, yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> like Ocean's Twelve, mm-hmm. the gang kind of got back together. Yes. Because obviously, what happens is that you have 
the game trends for a while on, on BGG and mm. people are loving it left, right and centre. Folk are making videos. There's, you know, talk of um, when people are going to get their hands on the game themselves right. and there's a lot of excitement. And, you know, um, and some people are like, there was, you know, just logistics with everybody getting their games at once and shipping out so many copies that people think that shipping out... A hundred copies to people is exactly the same as shipping out a thousand copies to people. Right. <laughs> kind of don't realise <laughs> the logistics behind it all. Oh, but then, yeah. did you... <clears throat> who was the George Clooney that came back and said, right, everybody's getting together and we're going to do the kind of the next version? Because obviously with Board Game Geek, mm-hmm. there'll be people that'll be making variations of the rules and right. house ruling stuff and things like that as well. <laughs> so when the Dulosaur stuff... Mm-hmm. came out and then you're working on obviously the next um mm-hmm. the next iteration for for dinosaur island itself i mean what was how did that all come about what I, as the campaign original campaign was going on there was there were talks of an expansion already um you know john yeah. and um nathan the and molly the heads of pandasaurus and i were all in a, a skype chat that we you know that's how we communicate about this, you know, Kickstarter going on currently in the past Kickstarter and, you know, almost immediately after the success or during the success of the Kickstarter, we're like, well, we should start working on an expansion. And that's exactly what it was. It was okay. The Kickstarter finished, you know, here's some ideas. Let's write down some ideas as to what we want. And it literally started immediately after the Kickstarter, uh, for the, for the totally liquid expansion. Um, Ian's uh, Dulosaur Island, that kind of happened in the summer last year. He messaged me. Mm. He said, um, "Hey, you know, I, I just I have I have an idea for a two-player version of Dinosaur Island. Um, is it okay if I work on that?" And I was like, "Yeah, go ahead. I don't I don't I don't care. You know, we're friends. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, just you know, go for it." And so he did, and it was different and uh, from Dinosaur. Um, and it was a strict two-player only, less table space, easier. I don't want to say easier um, rules, but easier uh, setup, um, mm-hmm. and played different enough that you would get a different experience playing Dualosaur than you would Dinosaur Island two-player. Um, and mm-hmm. that's been a lot of people saying, "Well, I don't understand why I need Dualosaur if I have Dinosaur. It's two totally, two totally different experiences. You know, why do you play Agricola?" Or Agricola, all creatures great and small, right? Yeah. Uh, all great yeah. and small is a smaller footprint. doesn't take as long to set up. You can play in 30 to 45 minutes and you're done. You pack it back up in the little box and you can take it with you. And that's exactly yeah. what, what Ian was going for on Dulosaur. Um So that was pitched to, we had tested it previous to pitching it to Panasaurus, obviously, and they took it to Gen Con. Um, and they loved it, signed it, and we went right into playtesting on that. Uh, more blind playtesting, or you know, among our small groups, and then we opened it up to more public, private playtesting. Yeah, and obviously the feedback must have been good because here it is sitting as part of this uh, campaign mm-hmm. with the Totally Liquid mm-hmm. Extreme Edition. Yeah, a lot of lot of positive feedback. People saying this is a great two player game. We love this game, you know. So you know, yeah, definitely it, it's working. Um, 
and then the totally liquid expansion a little bit harder to test um, just because it's the expansions more modular so you can add things in and out so not everyone play tests every bit of it um, yeah. so you know the feedback we get is okay i played with the blueprints this time or okay i played with the expansions and executives um and the feedback on the all of that has been very good um i don't know that i've had anyone come back say they hated it um and it's all blind play testing so um you know they don't know who's reading these comments right so uh it, the feedback has been very good uh, multiple multiple people saying they can't see themselves ever playing the game again without the extensions and the uh executives that we've added in which okay has been really fun so is it just a is it is it basically allowing you to add in different kind of um almost mechanics and mm-hmm. functionality into the game well the main the main thing was that we knew obviously was going to be in there no matter what was the fifth player um because mm-hmm. people were clamoring for a fifth player so we said well this isn't this is an easier thing to add because we know how the game works all we have to do is you know make sure there's enough tiles you know make sure there's enough um uh dna dice you know all those kinds of things to to, to get it to play at five player without adding adding anything else um and then we could just kind of say and said, okay, so how do we want to make this different? How do we want to make it more variable, more fun? Um, and that was the expansion, the extensions on the park and the uh, executives, which it's a each extension and each executive are unique. Yeah. And you draft them at the beginning of the game in uh, snake order. So I may get a very, and you get your choice of either the extension, and they're all random. There are multiples in the game you deal out the number of players you deal out that amount. So if there are five people playing, I deal out five extensions and five executives. I show them first person takes either an extension or an executive, your choice. <clears throat> and then that person's going to get the very last thing left because they'll be last to pick mm, when, okay. it, when it comes okay. back to them. Um, so the extensions are all different things where one of them is the, a goat pen right? So you get these little goat meeples. That, that was a stretch goal that was unlocked, because originally they were going to be little cardboard chits. Yeah. Um, because the expansion is very reasonably priced, I think. It's $45. For the amount of stuff you get in there, I think it's reasonably priced. Um, the with, the, with that particular um, extension, I can pay $2 to buy a goat and keep them in my pen. And then when I go to do the security portion of my park, I can feed a goat to reduce security by one temporarily for that round. So I don't have to. Oh, so right, so if okay. I'm, so if I'm really, if I'm in round four five or six and my securities up, keeping my security is five bucks around yeah. um, five bucks to move it up each time. I can spend a goat not cost me anything and not have to worry about security, you know, that round. So, um, that those kinds of things so, so all these different boards have different functions um and then each person gets an executive and every executive is different so um i'm trying to, i can't think of one off the top of my head a general one there's one that uh allows you to use him as um i think it's the chief financial officer uh you put him on one of the one of the um chits or or, or things in the marketplace and if someone mm-hmm. buys that 
then you get the money. Oh, right. Okay. So it's a way for you to get money. So it's also, you can say, well, which, which one of these is really good? Cause I'm going to place it on that. Um, and if no one buys it, then he gets an option of buying that tile for himself at a discount. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Yeah. So okay. very cool, different interactions, different combinations of things going on. Just little, just little bits of changes mm -hmm. kind of here, there and everywhere just to add again, kind of add to the kind of the, the replayability. Right. Um, now in terms of Kickstarter, mm -hmm. This is like a this is going gangbuster. <laughs> it is, um, again. This is them crossing a T Rex with a yeah. Velociraptor. <laughs> yeah, type of it's thing. it's a Velocirex, um, <laughs> or a T Raptor. Uh, it is doing again way better than our ho we had even hoped. I think, you know, on the day one. I know we were thinking, I, I personally, you know, I can't speak for anyone else in the campaign uh, that worked on it, that, but I was thinking, okay, it'd be really awesome to break 100K on the first day again, you know, uh, <laughs> because we did 80K on the first one. Yeah. And then we ended up doing like over, I think it was over 400,000. It was crazy. Um, and right now we're at about 780, 7, 790. Um, 788. Okay. So, 788154 yeah. and it's uh, you still got 31 days to go. I know. So it's been crazy. I mean the response has been awesome. I don't I don't get wrong. I'm I'm loving it. I don't click as much as I did last year just cuz I'm like okay, I can't let this consume my life, but um it is really cool every morning when I wake up I, you know, click on it and see where we're at and I said what an awesome day, you know. Um I'm so glad people are enjoying it and and backing it. Is that what you're having to do then? Is because is to make sure that um, you're keeping enough distance to not end up being upset. I mean, is it the case of you're going to be content that the fact it's doing really, really well? Mm -hmm. The some of the stretch goals are in place. You might have to have an emergency stretch goal meeting if mm -hmm. things go too extreme. Yep. Um, but are you just quite happy to kind of let this? Yeah, kind of roll away. Is the pressure kind of off you? It is at the moment. <laughs> it is. You know, uh, I, I, I look at it and I just say I'm really lucky. I guess is the word. Um, I am lucky. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know that I deserve this, you know, but um, it's happened, and I'm I'm really grateful for it. Have you thought about? I mean, have you got the A4 pad? with all the other game ideas <laughs> that you want to put together then it might be a, I mean, it might it... be a5 i don't know um, <laughs> no, um i do have other things that i'm working on um yeah. so um i i do have another kickstarter launching uh, i believe it's april 3rd um it's not okay. not me personally another publisher a small publisher here in the us called gozer games it's called stab a panda um, and before you before you can contact your local you know animal authority uh, complaining, um, it is an adultish party game. There is a there's mm. a standard deck and a not safe for work deck uh, with art by Ogloff, um, and um, it's a I, I want to say it's kind of like a would you rather game, um, but it has a little it has a little bit of a game element to it. Um, and the whole thing is, you know, you get everyone chooses and everyone gets two cards and they choose one for uh, the player who's the, the lead player. 
And so this person's going to have four cards in front of them. They're going to read them out loud, and then they have to secretly rank in what order they would do these items. One being from like, yeah, I'd do it, and four being there's no way I'd do that. Um, and everyone else has the same ranking cards, and they're trying to figure out how you're going to rank them. And you score points for matching points. So it's a very easy to learn game and a very simple game. Um, it's just something I co-designed that with uh, um, a friend of mine, Jeremiah Lee, probably about five uh-huh. five years ago, five or six years ago, and it was signed by a publisher uh, almost on the spot. I won't name that publisher because they, it's the sign language again. Yeah, exactly. It's that one, right? Yeah. So they sat on it for several years, and we just basically said we're taking it back because it it never went to print, and they said okay. Um, That's ridiculous. I've heard rumors about them, but yeah. I didn't want to say anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it is a it is a very different game than, than Dinosaur Island. But I love, I really do love almost all kinds of games. Um, I love light party games. I love heavy games. I, you know, so I created something that I just thought was fun, could play in 10, 15 minutes, was silly, could be a little bit raunchy if people wanted that doesn't have to be yeah. raunchy because you don't have to play with the not safe for work deck um uh-huh. but it's there and so that's something that's there um john and i have another game that we co-designed that is scheduled we hope to go to kickstarter in september um with a small publisher that has had success on kickstarter in the past um so is that uh, what type of theme is that game i'm not going to ask you for details it's um, a co-op Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Has this, um, with you kind of having the success mm-hmm. of Dinosaur Island, has it made, has it opened certain doors for you in terms of accessibility within other parts of the industry? I mean, is it, has it made you, I mean, are you, are you able to, are, are, you, are you able to kind of like, do you think you're going to be able to give you a bit more free reign mm-hmm in terms of what you're going to be designing in the future because you've got this kind of behind you? Uh, you know, maybe. I, I, that's a that's a little bit difficult question to answer because I don't do it full-time, yeah. um, and so I'm not hustling all the time. John hustles a lot, and he's really good at it, and he's always reaching out to publishers and, and, and yeah. creators and, hey, let's work together. Hey, are you interested in this? Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm kind of the opposite. I kind of sit back and wait for an opportunity to – to kind of rear its head and say, oh, I'm interested in that, you know. Um, yeah. Not to say I don't talk to publishers. You know, Panasaurus has been great. I've pitched a couple of things to them because I like working with them. And it's kind of that thing where you work with people you want to work, you 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 want to work with those people you like. So I like Pandasaurus, um, and I and I like working with them. So I'm going to let them see some stuff too. Yeah, um, yeah. So... It's, I haven't been to a ton of conventions actually since Dinosaur Island hit. I've only I haven't been to any conventions because Dinosaur Island really hit late December, early January, in terms of starting shipping. So there haven't been any major conventions yet. So my first major convention is going to be Geekway to the West in May, and then Origins in um, June. So I may or may not be talking to some publishers. I'm not sure yet. I think, you know, definitely having a, a, a hit game under your belt helps. They're, they're, yeah. But the, a publisher is still going to look for something that sells. You know, just because you yeah. created a, a, a 
a good selling game doesn't mean they're going to take whatever you pitch at them. It was the difficult second album, mm-hmm. as they would call it in music, you yep. know. Or the sophomore season like... and second season of a tele- hit television show, right? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, can you can you continue the magic? Right. Is did you catch the lightning in the bottle, and was that you know, was that what you're good for, or mm-hmm. can you do other things as well? So this, I guess, there can be a lot of, kind of a lot of pressure. But I guess mm-hmm. with you, having the working relationship with John, mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to provide you with a lot of support because that's just the type of guy that yeah, that kind of John Definitely. is. You know, it's pretty yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, so as we said, the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm runs for it's got another month i mean yep. it's 30 it's 30 odd days mm-hmm. um it'll probably be maybe 28 maybe 27 might be 30 depending on when right. this is coming <laughs> out but um it's almost well it's it's going to be eight hundred thousand easily um by probably within the next five minutes to be honest and if people want to get in you can get in 35 dollars will get you the julosaur island right. extreme edition mm-hmm. $45 will get you the Total Liquid Extreme Edition. Mm-hmm. $70 will get you both Dulosaur and Totally Liquid. Right. And then you've got the Dinosaur Island Extreme Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the base game. Yeah, right. With, um, um, with, that's the base game with all the... <laughs> The extremely heavy metal coins. Well, these are the li- these are the lighter coins, so that is a, that is a difference. So this the the extreme the base edition has a lot of the Kickstarter stretch goals from the original mm. Kickstarter, but it's missing mm-hmm. a couple things. Um, right. So the the coins are lighter in this edition, um, and that will help save on sh- uh, shipping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That shipping must have been an absolute an absolute nightmare. It uh, it was. Um, but what we'll do is we will put the um we'll put the the link for the Kickstarter in the show notes. Awesome. So that people can click th- like not that people have already used to like but yes, we know Dinosaur Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've clicked through already and, <laughs> and pledged. Um where I mean, where do you exist on the internet webs, Mr. Lewis? Um so on uh, Twitter I am uh, at Brian Lewis Games mm-hmm. and Instagram, same thing, Brian Lewis Games. Um mm-hmm. Facebook is you can find me in. I pop into a lot of the, uh, the chat rooms, or um, I say chat rooms. Gosh, I'm dating myself here. You know, back on the internet chat rooms. Um, <laughs> I've got my IRQ code. Yeah. I've got your well, I, I, I'm fancy. I'm using AOL chat rooms. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, instant messenger. He's got AFK. <laughs> <laughs> um, I typically post. Uh, I, I, I like. Uh, I hang out in uh, board game spotlight. On Facebook oh, yeah. and uh, yeah. and uh, uh, the board game group, um, so those are the ones I, I post most in. Um, so if you see me responding or posting, you know, feel free to to send me a friend request. Um, cool. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically where I hang out. Cool. I've got one more question for you, okay. Brian. You are stuck in a dinosaur island resort, okay? Mm-hmm. The dinosaurs have broken free. Mm-hmm. There is Velociraptors Velociraptoring. There is Diplodocuses plodding about. Mm-hmm. There's Brachiosaurs just breaking everything. And occasionally there's the roar of the T-Rex in the background. Mm-hmm. But you're in the shop and you're in the board game section of the shop. <laughs> now, for some reason, you know, as you know, Mr. Hammond, he spared no expense. Right. 
So he's got every single board game that there is in existence in this shop, uh-huh. okay? Okay. Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. He is waiting outside in his truck. He's about to take you away to safety. Right. Okay. Oh good. Now what he says is what he says is you could take three games. That's all you could take, okay? Okay. There's any games you want in mm. there. Because as I say, Mr. Hammond spared no expense. Right. What three board games do you take with you, Brian? Man, that is a, And they can be expansions, yeah, second editions, first editions. That is a, that is a tough question. Um, probably I would take Brass. Oh, okay. Um, I'd probably take Keyflower. Okay, okay. And... Ooh. You're not going for the obvious one that you mm. <laughs> talked about at the top of the show then. No. Um maybe Concordia. Okay. I, I mean those are, I mean there's so many that are in that are like all vie for that top spot, but you know, it really does depend on my a, it really does depend on my mood. I love Carcassonne. A, I love Carcassonne though. So maybe Carcassonne would but be what, up there. It's gotta be three, it's gotta I know. be three, Brian. How about three and a half? <laughs> No, I'll, I'll throw the box away for Carcassonne and I'll just no, take the tile. No, the glass is breaking in the background. There's a claw noise <laughs> and somewhere a goat is sounding frightened. All right, so... Um, oh, my gosh. Carcassonne. I'll take Carcassonne. I know I, 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 I'd get a ton of plays out of that. I'll take Carcassonne. Okay. I'll take... Um, I'll take uh, Concordia and I'll take Brass. There you go. So you, you jump into the back of the very quiet Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. because we can't do his right. impression. Right. Um, and you drive off to the helicopter. Cue music. Cue you getting into the <laughs> helicopter with your board games. Right. Right. Again, I don't know how you got away with that logo without having a knock on the door by Mr. Spielberg. Uh, well, you know, it, it, the, law, the copyright laws exist for a reason and, and so do the parody laws. <laughs> Ah, right. Okay, that says that says an awful lot. Yep, <laughs> says an awful lot indeed. Um, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Um, thank you really for having me. Really appreciate the time. Really appreciate the time that you've uh, that you've given, and I'm sure that uh, we'll be seeing your name about the about the places of board gameishness. Mm-hmm. for many many years to come with many many other games kind of coming out as well um if anyone that's listening tonight if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to then please go onto the internet you can find us on twitter at we're not wizards you can find us on facebook at we're not wizards you can find us on instagram at we're not wizards you can find us on youtube um at we're not wizards tabletop podcast because our lovely podcast host podbean make sure that all of our episodes automatically go into youtube as well You can find us on Spotify. No idea why. (laughs) But you can find us on Stitcher and Speaker and Acast and Podknife and all these lovely places. Um, If you like us, if you like what you've listened tonight, please tell somebody else. Um, We have always got lots of lovely people coming up on a regular basis that are speaking. And Brian is just an example of many fabulous people who have guested on the show. Um... You might have missed the episode that we had with Carla Kopp from Weird Giraffe Games. She was talking about Fire in the Library. Um, Give it a listen. Um, Lots of other episodes are going to be coming up over the next couple of weeks and have already been as well. We've got two previous episodes with John Gilmore, 
who talks a little bit about Dinosaur Island um, at the time when it was a uh, when he was putting it together, so that's uh, always worthwhile checking out as well. However, if you have liked what you've listened tonight, please jump onto Apple Podcasts and drop us a subscription. Or if you like us even more, drop us a rating or a review. If you are going to be giving us a rating or a review, um, don't give us a ten because it kind of makes me big-headed. <laughs> but don't don't give us a one because I because I'm an ugly crier. Um, but give us like maybe something in the average range, like a five, you know, because it's average and we're we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic, um, Mr. Brian Lewis. Um, so thank you again for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it today. Did um, I'm glad because um, I hope I was worried for a second that John was going to ward you off. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Brian? We are not. No, yeah, we're um, geneticists. <laughs> you know, mucking around with DNA and stuff, right. making big scary lizards, building parks, building attractions, and then getting eaten in the third act, because that's what happens. Uh, but we keep coming back. Is, we do keep coming back. Yep. Sequel after sequel after mm-hmm. sequel after after sequel. Um, but until the <laughs> and there's only other one other thing to do, which is say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Mr. Brian Lewis. Say goodbye, Brian. Goodbye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Roll sixes. The Kickstarter's there. The dinosaurs are there. The island is there. The expansions are there. The two players there. You just got to be decide if it's going to be you that's going to be there as well. But until the next time, goodbye.